Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Sean E. Avery. Sean is a teacher, writer, illustrator, sculptor, and designer. He is the writer, illustrator of the best-selling children's picture book, All Monkeys Love Bananas, Happy as a Hog Out of Mud, which was shortlisted for the 2022 WA Young Readers Book Award, and his latest book, which we'll talk about today, Frank's Red Hat, which is already a hit with kids in Australia, Korea, France and Denmark. How exciting is that? Welcome back, Sean. Hey, Danny. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me. And you were part of an illustrator special in episode 413, where I spoke to you and two other illustrators. But today it's all about you and Frank. Oh, my word. It feels like a lifetime ago. And there was, was that last year sometime? I think it was last year. I don't know. I do so many interviews. I'm up to 500 and something or other now. So it was more than 100 episodes ago, at least. I don't know what time is, but I can tell you in episodes. <laughs> Holy moly, that's amazing. (laughs) So we're going to talk about Frank's Red Hat. The first thing I noticed about this book before I received it, because I saw it in bookshops, and I touched it because it's just a beautiful sort of tactile book. When you open it, the pages are beautiful. They feel beautiful. It smells beautiful. It looks beautiful. It's just one of those books that I love to hold. So anyway, that's just about me. Um, Tell me, Sean, what is this book about? Hit me with an elevator pitch. Um. So it's a book about a little penguin called Frank who knits colourful hats in a cold and colourless world. And because when he he introduces his hats and it's such a brand new thing, uh, the other penguins are immediately sort of freaked out by it. And then a brave penguin named Neville decides that, okay, he's going to give the strange new hat a try. But as soon as Neville tries the hat, he's immediately eaten by a killer whale. And um, in the in the eyes of the other penguins, it is the evil hat. They just freak out and don't want anything to do with it. And Frank spends um, a good chunk of the book trying to convince them that, you know, the hats are great, tries all different colors and designs, and uh, the nervous penguins aren't buying it. And um, eventually he decides to give up on the dream. And that's at the at sort of that final moment, that's when he uh, someone taps him on the shoulder and tells him, uh, actually, we, you know, I re- really like your idea and uh, i don't know i don't want to give it too away because i want people to read it but um yeah it's uh it's a crowd of creatures that you wouldn't expect and <laughs> um frank frank finally finds his tribe and mm. uh, finds acceptance and all artists sort of experience you know you plug away making books and drawing pictures and doing whatever it is that you do and sometimes a lot of the time people don't get it until finally you find the people that do and it's all about that finding your mm. finding your tribe 
Absolutely. And there is so much in this picture book. And that's what I loved about it. There were so many layers, you know, you can just read it for fun and a nice little sweet story. But then as you were talking, it's all about, you know, finding colour in a colourless world. Then it's about, you know, anxieties. It's about staying the same. It's about leaning into your uniqueness. It's about celebrating art. It's about all of these things coming together. And of course, finding your tribe, which I think is important in any situation. And I feel like, isn't life better when you found your tribe? Oh, absolutely. It certainly is. And, you know, especially in publishing um, and for for people sort of starting out, trying to find the editors that connect with your work, you know, because you you do, you get so hung up on um, when you first start out with, with the rejections and you kind of only realize once maybe you get your feet under you that it's, that it's not you a lot of the time. It's um, just finding the people who, who like your work, you know, and understanding that yeah, maybe um, your work isn't always everybody's cup of tea, but yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> the life of an artist, isn't it? It's, it's so much about being resilient to all the rejection, which you absolutely can't avoid because not everything, I don't know if, you I mean, this might be totally not true for you, Sean, but not everything usually that creators create is amazing. So <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is 100% true for me. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to make any assumptions. Oh <laughs> oh no no you're bang on yeah bang on there for sure <laughs> but it's funny isn't it because you know to be that creative person you kind of are in touch with all those creative things and often with you know the way the world is and often artists like myself you're quite sensitive to the world and all those things but then you've also got to have resilience which is kind of in conflict with all those sort of artistic traits yeah exactly right um be sensitive but be tough um absolutely it's uh yeah i totally agree with you on that one um i mean when i first started out in publishing i i began with Fremantle press who are known for doing very sentimental um quite uh, sweet art driven books and um often my stories are quite <laughs> quite maybe a bit subversive or, or a bit rough and a bit um kind of light-hearted so you know moving like getting my first story with with larrikin was great you know because i had it was like a sudden breath of, of fresh air you know we could we could silly all of a sudden then kind of take um um yeah take the making of books a, a little less a little less seriously or like have a bit more maybe a bit more fun with it so yeah i mean it's uh it's interesting you know and then again with walker who've done frank's red hat it's a uh, it's another experience again where it's kind of balancing out the sentimentality with the um kind of more commercial side of things too so yeah it's 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 really interesting you know with working with different publishers and having those yeah there's there's different ideas on, on what a book should be so mm, yeah that's really interesting I, but I, I love, yeah i like that because you know an artist doesn't create just one thing you know if you create quirky books that's you know not usually not all you can create and so it's interesting that you can go to different publishers depending on your work and i almost think frank's red yeah. hat kind of falls in between both a little bit of the sentimental you know cute sweet story and then also has a lot of quirk to it as well so i almost think it feel, falls in between Fremantle and larrikin house yeah absolutely i mean you know so that that's the dream really of of any picture book maker, I think one that hits every single um, nail on the head, you know, hits, hits all those marks. But um, I find it's, it's very, very difficult to do that. Maybe Frank is the first book I've, I've ever done that kind of hits all, all those, all those marks. So yeah, it's, um, it's a pretty, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm, yeah. 
mm. we're really excited to see how it goes with um, with uh, an Aussie audience because yeah, it's it's but it's done quite well overseas um, already. So yeah, it's it's, it's really really exciting. Mm. Now, when you get those books that are translated, um, can you read Korean, French, or Danish? <laughs> I can't. No. <laughs> um, the the Danish one kind of looked a bit Dutch, and uh, the, the the way it was written. Be and I I speak Afrikaans, so I kind of I got the um. It sort of looked like I could read it. The Korean edition, just beautiful. The the Korean people know their designs so well. It's got a like on the on the um, title, it's got a cute little red hat on one of the one of the characters, and it's just just adorable. So yeah, um, foreign editions are are just amazing. <laughs> yeah, pretty exciting when you get those. Now, with all these layers in this book, we mentioned before, you know, about uniqueness and about you know fears and going against the grain, staying true to yourself, finding your tribe. Why were these things all really important for you to explore in this book? I think just because I I got to sort of a because I had my, it was kind of a fluke having my first picture book published. I didn't really mean to do it. It, it was, I studied graphic design at university and in my third year, um, my tutors su- suggested that maybe I try illustrating a picture book just because my style was kind of in line with um, what uh, modern picture books looked like at the time. And uh, I said, okay, yeah. And I went looking for someone to, to write me a story or a manuscript that I could illustrate, couldn't find one, ended up saying, oh, well, I'll just write. And I wrote I wrote a manuscript and I did the pictures and it, it turned into a book called All Monkeys Love Bananas, which was my first book with Fremantle Press. And my tutors loved it. They said, yeah, send it, send it to a publisher. I did it. It was picked up immediately. And um, all of a sudden, you know, I had my first book published and I, had, I didn't really know anything about children's books. I, I mean, it was just, it was the most unreal thing. And so... Then I thought, okay, this is something that I can do. And then all of a sudden, jumping into um, jumping into the world of kids' books, you know, joining Squibby and all that, and getting all that advice, and realizing how much stuff I didn't actually know about kids' books, I kind of psyched myself out. And I spent quite a long time after my first book not getting any other contracts. And it was like, it, it just, it, it freaked me out so much. And I was trying so hard, you know, and, and trying to be, you know, because obviously all of a sudden I realized how rich the whole kids lit world was. And I like I was I was trying my best to to emulate all these other amazing creators and it just wasn't working out for me. And I was and and so like that Frank was kind of like all about, I guess, like how I was feeling trying to, you know, trying to impress specific publishers and, and doing things. And it just not working out and me feeling like maybe it was something to do with me because I I got to a point maybe after six years of trying um, with publishers that I I thought maybe I should just accept the one book and move on. (laughs) And it was kind of, kind of my, my, um, my book with Larrikin that sort of pulled me up and out of that, you know, and then Frank was sort of a, my next book on was sort of a celebration of, um, you know, finding your tribe because that's what I felt when I found Larrikin was that oh yeah I've got my I've got my tribe of people I, this, this is a publisher that gets me and um, then Frank was sort of a follow on from that you know just kind of me yeah being a penguin <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah I sorry I kind of went on a long <laughs> round. No, I love that, tangents. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so it, yeah it was just yeah it was just me exploring that you know 
making art and feeling like maybe you, you're just not right or it's not good enough or it's not really what what people want or, or need you know and being ready to give up and then being saved at the last hour before you do give it all up you know so yeah Mm, wow that's a really that's a really inspiring story because i just don't think there's any story out there of you know any writers or creators that don't have those real ebbs and flows and like i said before you know you just have to have this kind of resilience and you know belief even when you don't believe in yourself you have to sort of dig that out don't you and think no no i i do have something to contribute or whatever it is but it's it's kind of like a it's something that nags at you, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I don't even know. If I I don't know about you, Danny, but I just couldn't imagine not doing it. So yeah. you have those days where you say, oh, maybe this is not for the best. And, and then you just, yeah, could you rest with that idea? Would, would that sit well with you? I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. It's the unrest. And I remember thinking to myself, if I never get a traditionally book published, that's going to be like a huge regret of my life you know and I just pictured myself I always picture myself as 96 year old Danny going you know I don't want to have any of these regrets you know so you take life by the throat and whatever and I thought wow if I get to 96 and I've never had a traditionally published book that'll be a really sad moment for me so it is it's that that thing that doesn't rest inside you it's interesting and it drives you on and I often think like everyone says a lot of people say to me you know how do you podcast and how do you do this and how do you do that but even though it makes you busy like you sort of touched on before, not doing it is worse. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, people always say that to me about teaching, you know, how can you how can you teach full-time and make books? I'm like, well, it's it's important. They feed each other. It's, this, it's part of the same ecosystem. You've got to do it all. You've got to stay connected with children to write for them. And it's fun. You know, why would you, why would you just want to lock yourself in a room and just, do the one thing all the time. I don't know. I, I can't do it. <laughs> mm, no, I, I like that idea of the just, ecosystem. I, yeah. It, it all, it all, it all feeds each other. I mean, what you, the, I mean, I, I could only imagine, like you said, how many interviews have you done now? Like over 500 or something. Mm. I, yeah. I, the, the wealth of knowledge you must have from all the people that you've spoken to. It's just, um, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't imagine that. And that's, yeah, I think it's really important that, um, but you do it. It's yeah, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be busy. Absolutely. Push, push your limits. Seriously, <laughs> like people. I don't know. There's all this, and this might you know might go against the grain of traditional advice here. But there's all you know people are like oh watch out for burnout. You know, and it's like well, I don't know. I I kind of roll my eyes at it a bit. You know, I like I like to work hard. You know, I like to really push it, and I haven't I haven't kind of found my limits yet. I'd like mm-hmm. to know where they are. You know, I'd like to know where where maybe you know i and where, where i kind of stop and where it's like okay well now i've got now i'm making too many books or i'm doing too, <laughs> too many you know what and like what's the maybe the worst thing that could happen to me if i'm making too many books and teaching too much art to children i, I don't really know <laughs> you are my people sean i feel that you know what it stresses me out it's not how busy I am because I enjoy that and I like the distraction you know all those kind of things channeling you know my energy into something that's positive it's people that bring it up and say oh how do you do it all that's what stresses me out because I start thinking oh should I not be doing all of this but it's not the doing it's that when people bring it up do you find that similar to you oh absolutely because then you start to think about it um you know like oh wow you know is this 
and there's this always this like, oh, watch out for burnout. It's like, <laughs> what, what, what is that? What, what's going to happen to me exactly? Is my brain going to short circuit? And I mean, I know, like, maybe I'm just being a bit flippant here, and there are, you know, people who really, really hit it hard and whatever. But I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm almost, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just flying too close to the sun, and one day I'm just going to fall down and just, <laughs> you know, collapse into a, um, into a dribbling mess somewhere uh, and not be able to do anything. But I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. Yeah, I love I love working. I love making stuff, mm. and I love yeah. I love I've often I've often and- felt yeah. I felt exactly the same way, Sean. I don't sleep a lot, and for a lot of years I was really stressed because people are like, you have to sleep for eight hours, and you know if you don't, you get really sick. But my body will literally not sleep for more than five to six hours a night, and so I just sort of came to this conclusion: instead of stressing about it. Trust you got to trust your body, right? You got to trust your yeah. limits. We're all different, and if I'm feeling fine and I'm able to get through all the stuff that I do in a day, you just got to trust that. Yeah, of, of course, I I totally agree with that, and I'm the same. You know, I get up very early. I'm I'm up at about four o'clock each day, and people don't don't understand that. But it's like I wake up, and I want to go do stuff. It's mm. quiet. Like there's no there's no one demanding my my time or anything and i can go and write whatever i want i can go draw whatever i want it is like it's exciting yeah, <laughs> i want to get up it is it. so what time do so you go I, to bed yeah, I, so i'm usually in bed by about 8 39 okay and, um and so that's that's enough time for me to sleep i mean at i think a minimum for me is probably about six between six and seven hours that yeah. seems to be the sweet spot yeah and then anything over if I'm really tired, I'll take nine or eight, but anything more than that, and it's just excess. I feel mm. miserable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. You know, it's like yeah, same. Having, yeah, <laughs> it's like I could have. What could I be achieved what? in that hour? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. You know, and I'm I, I'm such a drip feed creator too. I like I I don't sit down and you know power through all the illustrations in a month like some people. I don't. I really don't get the idea of putting off deadlines. I'm very big on just do it as soon as I, as soon as the ball's in my court. So as soon as the manuscripts return to me for, for edits or for rough sketch or final art, I want to start doing that. I don't hate the, the ball being in my court because if the ball's in my court with a project that needs to be done, well, that means I don't get to do anything else. You know, mm. there's no, when the ball's out of my court, then I can be freed up to explore ideas and that's, probably the most exciting part of creating a book. I, I don't know about like what, what your process is or where you like to spend your time, but I love making new stuff. Yeah. I love thinking of new ideas and sketching out. Yeah. Those first drafts. That's like the best bit for me. Yeah. That's where the optimism, isn't it? I like that part, the creating part. And then I find it really hard to get started part, but then I love the editing part. Then when you're writing, it's really hard and you think you're never going to be able to create anything. But then when you're editing, you're making something kind of ordinary better. Absolutely. And yeah, it's really great, especially when, you, when you're working with an editor that you really like. Um, I, I did with Walker. I worked with Susanna Sullivan, who's just amazing, just most incredible editor ever. And I was always excited to receive her edits because they were always, yeah, just so on point. I don't think I ever disagreed with a single thing she ever said to me. Um, so, yeah, it is editing is, is very exciting. I agree. 
Yeah, I love the editing part, particularly if everyone's on the same page and you don't see it as a criticism. You see it as a, you know, multiple brains coming together to make this thing that you're making the best thing that it can possibly be. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's it's a really it's a really amazing thing. Yeah, and, you know, a, design, a, a good designer and a good editor and a great sort of team behind it all. Yeah, it's, it's magic. I, mm, I love it. Absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it's hard to... I, I'm a bit of a control freak, I have to admit. You know, being being the the, the, the writer, designer, illustrator, I yeah, I, I, I tend to think that I know best. And I don't <laughs> I, I really I really don't. I have to I need a plaque like in, in grey or an engraved plaque to stick on my wall that says you don't know best. Because I just I really don't. I, well, if, one's coming your way, yeah. Sean. <laughs> oh well I, I need it because every time I've stamped my feet about something and, and insisted that I'm not changing this. I've regretted it. And every time I've stamped my feet and they've made me change it anyway, I, I've always, you know, been happy for it later on. Like it is, so I just, yeah, I need a, yeah, that's the one thing I need to learn is just to kind of <laughs> let, let go and realize that other people are super, super valid. And it's, I'm, it must just be a trust thing because now I'm, I'm kind of at that point with, um, the designers at Walker and Suzanne, you know, if she says it, well, I believe it now, you know, it's just mm. maybe building up that trust with a creative partner. Mm. Yeah, no, I like that. And it is a process. And I think every book and every experience is different, but I wanted to ask you for Frank's red hat specifically. Um, the illustrations were created using digital collage techniques and scanned folded painted papers. Can you talk me through this? Yes. Yeah. So, I will take a, a bunch of different paper stocks. So I'll have kind of rough grain watercolors and other random things, tissue paper, news, newspaper, any kind of like interesting textured paper. And I'll apply a bunch of different washes, uh, oil pastel, chalk, uh, pencil, any kind of yeah random sort of wet and dry medium to all these different pieces of paper stock. And then I'll scan all of that in. And then I'll have kind of this big master sort of artboard where I can cut out the shapes that I want. So cutting out, obviously, I just copy and paste things. So I'll go to, for, for Frank, if I want to make Frank, I'll go and take my, my black watercolor wash on my whatever textured paper and I'll cut a penguin shape out and I'll stick it down onto the, onto the page and I'll draw his little white belly and I'll draw his eyes and then... I'll do some, do some snow around him. So I'll get some uh, folded tissue paper. I'll cut out the shape that I want of the snowbank, and I'll stick that in. And then I'll cut out another shape of maybe some old leather that I've that I've had like leather textures, and I'll cut that out and I'll stick that in the background. That'll be the rocks, and then I'll paint the snow on top. So it's a layering process, and mm. you have that kind of you have that nice handmade feel of all the traditional stuff because I've I've tried to create create textures using uh, digital brushes and it just doesn't it I don't know for me I can always see that it's a digital it's a digital texture and it doesn't really quite work for me but I'm happy to sort of compile it digitally and then draw you know things like the the eyes and the snow and all the all the other stuff over the top of it so mm. that's how the digital collage works mm, I but, love uh, that because yeah. even even looking at this book and I, I picked it up at the shop and it's just it's beautiful you know like it's beautiful to hold it's beautiful to turn the pages 
And now you're talking me through it. As I'm looking at it, I can actually see all these textures now, particularly on the, the snow caps and the ice. You know, you can see those different layers and textures that you've put on, which just makes all the difference for this book because it feels like such a tactile, beautiful book. Yeah, it, it, I, I think it's, so it's kind of, it's in the same vein as maybe like Jeannie Baker or Patricia Mullen or one of those sort of, yeah, yeah. collage illustrations, but it doesn't have... Gus it, it Gordon doesn't have does that. something too like that, right? He, yeah, I mean, Gus is an absolute hero of mine. And he's kind of, you can tell by last book, Happy as a Hog, Adam, but I mean, he was my, he was my spirit animal on that. And I just, I, I went, I went to town with it. And I originally, like Gus Gordon, he uses a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, he loves French stuff. So he's got a bunch of old French brochures and maps and all kinds of things like that with uh, French writing on them. But Walker, are they're very big on not having any kind of baked in text. So text that isn't edited. So like I can't have random papers with writing on them because it's it's one of those things where if they want to sell it as a foreign edition, a foreign publisher might take a look at those, yeah. um, you know, those that writing texture or whatever and say, nah, we don't want that. You know, apparently it, it could be something as small as that that would stop a book going into a... Um, Foreign, so foreign edition yeah so yeah so i've i've actually had to go through and remove a lot of my um and especially in my next book too which is with war it's an underwater story and there was a bunch of random things like gus does you know like things with um writing on it and random mm -hmm. bits and like diagrams and stuff that just had to be removed because it's a it's a, it's just sort of a maybe a, a deal breaker for a yeah. for a foreign rights edition yeah. which um, I, I found really interesting. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it is so, interesting because once you start messing with that, it gets really expensive to change it for your foreign editions. So, yeah, I learned that as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's pretty – yeah, because you just don't think about it, do you? Like, mm. and, and, then, and then it gives you – I feel like it gives you a greater appreciation for books that have – obviously, they, don't, they want one colour for the text, you know, so it's just one printing plate. They want black text. They don't want coloured text or they don't want hand-rendered text or anything like that. So when I see a book that's – and I didn't know this, but I see a book and it's got hand-rendered text and it's got different colours um, in the fonts and all that, I just think, wow, this is like – this is true artistic integrity. Yeah, yeah. There's, no comp there's, there's no compromise in this. This is, this is just like we wanted to do this and we've done it, you know. So um, I've, got a, I've got a great deal of respect for that kind of work now. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I have just such a great respect for the craft of the picture book. You know, I'm not sure if you're if you're not in the oh. industry, you might just think it takes you know half an hour to write and you knock it up in a day or two. But you know, my experience with my first picture book, you know, I've been an author for a whole 79 days, Sean. So you know, it's a long time. Oh. <laughs> but you well, know, you've, just... you've, by the looks of your videos, you've definitely signed more books than I have in my in my 10 years that I've been an author. You know, so it's. Uh... <laughs> You've definitely made up for, for lost time. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm not getting any younger, Sean, not getting any younger. No, but I just thought the, the respect for this craft is just admirable. You know, the hours that go into making a picture book, the love, the care, the thought, it just it astounded me in such a good way because I just thought, wow. You know, because I always thought picture books were magical books. You know, I think they're time capsules. I think they're more than books because they're the ones you sit down and read to your children. 
Um, and so I, I think they're very special and, and the amount of love and care and time and thought that goes into them, I was really, I was really happy about that. It was a really positive experience for me. Oh, absolutely. I, um, I'm just, I'm blown away all the time. And when I, when I read, um, I've just recently been reading a book called Picture Book Makers and it's got, Oh, I've got um, that. Yes. Oh, oh my word. You read, you read that and you think, oh my God. Oh my God, I don't do any of this. What is this? this the le- because you think, you know, occasionally you might trick yourself into thinking like, oh, I know what I'm doing. And then you read that, which has obviously got all these excerpts from people like John Klassen and Sean Tan and all these greats. And you think, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I've scratched the surface. It is yeah. just, it is of, of, of what is, what is possible. Um, and you just, and the thing is, you don't know, like even until you go into a bookshop that knows picture books, that orders picture books from obscure places, you know, like you'll never, you'll never know that these, that these books exist, these, these incredible things. Um, when you just walk into a, you know, commercial bookshop, not in a big W or whatever, you know, as, as much merit as all that kind of, because I love all the all the commercial stuff that everyone knows really well pig the pug mm. etc you know yeah. i think it, all that stuff is beautiful got tons of artistic merit but man just th- there's an there's another whole ocean there's an <laughs> ocean of talent out there and it's just it is staggering and just like it brings a tear to my eye really it's yeah. amazing well as Absolutely an artist amazing. i mean you can see the art you know you know picture books are pieces of art you know and i think as an artist that's that's really incredible to be able to make them and write them as well so that's amazing well, I've, I've always said, you know, to, because I'm a bit of a, I, I try to get people to make picture books. When I see artists, um, it's when I see someone who I think could make a picture book, if they just learned maybe how to write or whatever, then they could make a picture book. Because I just, you know, when, when you think about, you know, you have a, you have a, I used to be, so I don't really do much sculpting anymore, but I used to do, I used to be a, a sculptor. That was my, my primary job. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. And when you'd have an exhibition, you know, you sort of have 16 sculptures or whatever that's, and that's your exhibition, or you might have 20 or whatever. And then you, you'd have the night, the big opening night and you'd sell a few and maybe you'd sell a few prints of these pick of these works or, you know, same with paintings or whatever. And then, and then it would be done. And then, okay, you've got all these things in your portfolio, but, but you know, when, when you make, it's it's same a, a picture book is it's an exhibition isn't it it's, and you, you follow the same theme and you've got you know it, you've made an exhibition's worth of work and then that book lasts forever i mean it, it hangs around you know and it doesn't like i mean i'm still i'm still selling more copies of my first book that came out 10 years ago than than all my others put together you know wow. it, it hangs around yeah yeah it, i mean old monkeys love bananas has sold over 100,000 copies it's very hard in western australia to find you know, when I go talk and I say, does anyone know this book? It's very unusual if there's no one in the room that doesn't have a copy, you know, it's quite yeah. a, it's quite a special thing. So, you know, these, it's like, yeah, an exhibition, an art exhibition that lasts forever. Yeah. <laughs> it I love keeps that. Going. It's the, I do find that with yeah. picture books, particularly they do have longevity, you know, like I see that with, you know, titles like my shadow is pink you know, two years later, like it's still selling really strongly. So it's like, you know, it finds its audience, the book finds its own tribe. And because it is this, 
you know, exhibition of art, as you said, it, it sort of never gets old. It's always beautiful and it's always, you know, always encapsulated in that one book. So yeah, they're really special, I think. So I love, I love the creation of them and, and, you know, looking at new picture books and I just adored yours. I think it's just beautiful. Oh, thanks, Danny. I, yeah, I really appreciate it. That means a lot coming from you, honestly. <laughs> well, I've got two copies now. We won't talk about Australia Post, but I've got two copies now. So <laughs> <laughs> might have to do a little giveaway oh. on social media, I think. <laughs> now, the question I always, oh, feel, ask, feel I always ask, Sean, the question is, why do you write? And I feel compelled to do it. It's how I, I'm able to contribute to the world. It's my, yeah. It's my one and only really important gift, I think, that I have to share. Mm. And I love how you said it. It nags at you. And I think what really resonated with me is that if you don't do it, there's this unrest in you. And I think that just rang true, not only for me, but probably so many creatives that will be listening to this episode. Oh, the thought of not doing it is, it. You, that's just not a, it's not something that you, you can imagine it's uh yeah i just be very there would have i'm not quite sure exactly what it would take to make me not do it it would have to be pretty pretty severe or, <laughs> I, yeah, I, because there's I, there's no there's no amount of money in the world that that you could give me to make me stop doing it mm-hmm. so there's no incentive that you could but it, yeah i don't know <laughs> threat <laughs> thread of something would have to be the only thing to make me stop. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it too. Thank you so much. And I loved the tangents we went on and we talked about a lot of really interesting things about, you know, just being a creator, which I find so interesting. So thank you for, you know, being so honest and generous with your time and your thoughts. And of course, this beautiful book, Frank's Red Hat. I'm so happy it's finally in my hands. Oh, thank you, Daddy. No, it's, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, bearing with me through the um, yeah the whole me not knowing it's daylight savings over in <laughs> your neck of the woods and all that. Oh my words! Just oh, we co- we got there in the end. We got there in the comedy of errors, right? All right. No, thank you very much. It's, it's been awesome. Lovely thank, to talk to you. You too. Thanks, Sean. <laughs>